Welcome to Hustle and Pro Season 2, talking sports in Frisco from youth to pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome to this episode of Hustle and Pro. As a lacrosse parent, I think a lot about where us Texans fit into the whole lacrosse scene. So today we have Coach Patrick Diamonin. Did I say that right, Patrick? That's correct. All right. So Patrick's here to talk to us about the current kind of lacrosse landscape. So hi and welcome to Hustle and Pro, Patrick. Thank you. I'm very excited to be on here. Yeah, I'm excited to hear from you. So before we jump into the lacrosse talk, though, let's learn a few quick sports sports hits from you. So who would you say is your favorite athlete? Ooh, there's a lot of athletes. Um, I think from a pure athletic standpoint, Bo Jackson, just because he did define the whole multi-sport athlete and did at a very high level with yeah. doing it at the NFL and uh, Major League Baseball as well. So I would say he's one of my favorites. Um, you know, even old school Earl Campbell, just because I love the way that he ran the football um, type of way. Um, yeah. Lacrosse-wise, Mikey Powell, uh, just because growing up, that was the guy looking up to and just wanted to try to mimic my game as much as possible off him. Okay. Well, following up on that, I always like to know what's your favorite sport to play yourself and then what's your favorite sport to watch? So playing myself, I like lacrosse. I've been playing it since I was seven. I mean, and still play to this very day. And, you know, men's pickup league, which is post-college stuff. And every once in a while, there might be a tournament that I can go play in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, back in high school, it was definitely football and lacrosse. It was hard to pick between the two, but for sure, lacrosse. Where'd you grow up? I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Okay. Texas football growing up. Um, yep. But then you play. So you started playing lacrosse at age seven here in Texas? Yeah. So I started playing when I was seven. Um, it was kind of just, you know, I got first introduced with a stick. Uh, my dad went to Virginia and then ah. uh, our uncle or my uncle kind of played lacrosse a little bit too and introduced it to us. It was kind of more of a secondary sport mm -hmm. to do in the summers. And then once I probably got into sixth grade, seventh grade, I started to take it more seriously just because the school offered it uh, in Houston yeah. and, you know, was able to play it all the way through college until um, going into my senior year. I had unfortunately had a knee injury that prevented me to play. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. Yes. Okay. One more quick one. Uh, what's your favorite sports movie? Oh, the sports movie. I mean, the classic, remember the Titans, um, that one, I think Denzel Washington's great. And just yeah. how, um, they had to go through so much adversity to come out on top. Um, yeah. you know, and it was a real good, just, this is how a team should be, um, in all, in all circumstances with it sticking together through the thick and thin. Yep. That's a good one. Okay, so now I know that um, you used to coach here in Frisco, and you're still coaching um, at the high school level, right, um, over on the other side of the Metroplex in Fort Worth. And then when you mentioned how your, you know, your dad kind of introduced you to the sport, um, I think it's probably common for, you know, if kids in Texas are getting introduced to it, um, several years back, it probably was brought down from somebody, either from the Northeast or somewhere, right, um, up north. So that's kind of like where I want to start with our conversation. Um, Texas is sort of still, you know, a little new to this sport. Obviously, people are, are have been playing it here a little while, but not as long as in other parts of the country where it's sort of 
common and really mainstream sports and powerhouse parts of the country. So from your point of view, um, playing and coaching, where do you kind of place like lacrosse in Texas? Like if you were to great, give us a grade, how are we, how are we doing? Uh, I would say that we're, it's hard to kind of put a number or like a grade letter. I would say we're definitely a solid like B, B plus. There are definitely some teams that um, can hit that A area, um, like Dallas Jesuit, uh, Highland Park, Episcopal School Dallas, um, Woodlands, Westlake. Um, those programs have a very established um, coach, you know, they and they know how to run the, their own systems that really puts their players in the greatest spot to be successful. I mean, and they have kids that are going D1s and very high-level D3s because, you know, as coaches, we want – our kids to make sure that they go to the right institution after high school. Um, we all want them to go play D one just from an ego standpoint that we have D one athletes, but at the end of the day, we want our, we want to be sure that our athletes go to the right school on what fits them the best. So that answers my question when I like, I wonder about like, what's, what is the level of talent that we're, you know, we're putting out from Texas. And I was going to ask you about different markets. Um, I assumed you know, DFW, Houston, Austin. Is that, is that right? I mean, are there any other major pockets of Texas that is producing good talent? San Antonio has had some good, or they've, they've had some talent, I would say. Um, I think I even had a teammate of mine um, that played at Hendricks that was from San Antonio. Um, there, there are some kids in San Antonio that have even started kind of making their splash um, okay. in lacrosse as well. But I would say, you know, from most part of it, it's always coming from, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth area, Houston, and then Austin. But it, the sport in Texas is starting to get, you know, more recognized in the major metroplexes here. Um, so there, it's nice to see that, you know, you know, and hopefully one day we all want that one day that there's a kid from San Antonio that is playing at Syracuse University. That's a historic program. You know, that's that's kind of what we all want to see at some point. So obviously recruiters, you know, take lacrosse players seriously out of Texas because you talked about D1 and D3. Like, you know, that's the goal and kids are, are going there. But um, is that like as a coach, you're at the high school level. So where, where the majority of like Dallas – boy like for boys lacrosse where are they going and getting recruited from i would say it's kind of evenly split between um division one d2 has started to pick up as well um so you have lindenwood that's been kind of a hotbed that we've been a hotbed for them even i want to say a couple florida schools um like rawlings has kind of made a splash in this market and florida tech um florida southern um and then Division three is where a good amount of the kids might go as well, just because it is a job once kids get to D1. Um, you know, they're practicing 60 hours the whole entire fall semester. But in, at Division two, it's, it's cut down to 45. And then um, at Division three, you're only doing 15 hours. So it's kind of figuring out what the student athlete wants themselves, you know, because it is a very big commitment to go division one. And that's where we as coaches are kind of, you know, there to give some insight and help guide um, these student athletes on figuring out what's the real best fit for them. 
Okay, hold up. 60 hours, 45 hours, 15 hours. How often? Are you talking like how dense are those hours? So the 60 hours, is uh, it's broken up within the fall semester. It's okay. not like 60 hours a week. Okay, um, okay. I'm that like, that really be, is a full-time yeah, job. Yeah. Right. I mean, but I mean, you have those hours that are really, you know, for the team, but there's always those extra, you know, the voluntary lifts and the, the captain's practices as well. So, I mean, there's a lot more outside of those NCAA hours as well. So, so you talk about as a coach, you know, trying to help your players probably through the recruiting process, getting to the right place. I mean, you know, like you said, not, not every kid's going to look, look at D1 schools, even if they're good, like you said, there's just different levels and commitment levels and experiences they're going to get out of it, right? So what is it that you talk to your players about like that? What or do you, are you, is that part of your job? You try to help set expectations for them? I mean, we all have expectations to shoot for the highest level as much as possible. Um, and I mean, we get down to it of, you know, does the kid want to be in the city does he want to be out in the suburbs area does he want a big campus small campus does he want a big football school um does he want to have more centered around you know a small professor teacher or professor student ratio as well um so it's kind of just going down those questions on what kind of fits the mold for them and even you know a simple question too with do you want do you like the cold weather because there are some kids right. that don't like the cold weather. It's like, well, maybe the Northeast isn't, might not be for you unless, you know, you really like the sport and you can tough out the winters. So, is there a lot of good lacrosse on the West Coast? Yes. So, Colorado, um, California have become real uh, hotbeds as well. There's a team um, in the Torrey Pines, their mm-hmm. uh, program that they've come here a few times as well to play. Um, Highland Park and Dallas Jesuit recently and you know they're having kids go to University of North Carolina their head coach went to Tufts and they have a few tough kids as well so they're churning some kids out and then even to the point that the Northwest is having um, some talent as well come out of there. So you mentioned UNC and Syracuse are I'm assuming those are some of the top schools so where like what are other schools that your best players wish, you know, their dream schools to go play at? I mean, University of Virginia is another one. There's a Highland Park kid named Cade Sostad that was there, or he's currently there. He was actually on the most recent national championship team um, there at University of Virginia. Um, There's another kid. He's a senior this year that's going to go to Towson. Um, He's from Southlake. He's a very talented pole and well-deserved of that position as well. His name's Connor Spagnoli. and then other kids will – I mean, we want, they all shoot for UNC, UVA, um, Syracuse, because those are big historical programs. Johns Hopkins is another big historical program as well. Okay. Um, that, you know, in Johns Hopkins degree, if, you know, the kids can get in, uh, the goalie there, actually, Ryan Darby, has been playing there, and he's a Plano West kid. Oh, so. wow. Okay. The goalie scene is a whole nother – recruitment avenue right i mean they get they get looked at probably so much earlier and in such a different light just because of the nature of the position and fewer people to look look for and it's harder to find them right it is very is goalies they either have it 
um, or they don't. But I mean, we've had a lot of kids that I've seen. They at first there it's they, there's a struggle, but then they really kind of they put their mind to it and really become successful with it. Um, my cousin played at Dallas Jesuit, and then he went on to go play at University of Maryland. And his best friend also played at Dallas Jesuit and played at Boston University, and he was respectively an All American as well. Um, goalies, I'd say, are pretty are a pretty good position from Texas along with the defensemen just because we're the players here are very athletic. Mm -hmm. Um, so their athleticism makes up for a lot of stuff on the field. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Syracuse earlier. So my daughter's high school coach now, um, went to Sarah play at Syracuse. And so it's really kind of big, even locally here. Um, a lot of our girls, we always have a girl or two. I feel like that, that get to go play there. Um, from our programs up here in the Frisco area. But I didn't know if it was that common for our boys around here or in Texas to make it up that way yet. So it doesn't sound like that's like the most common occurrence at, at this point, right? Uh, it's pretty scattered around, yeah. um, I would say. So, I mean, I, I think recently I just saw a kid from Austin that's committed to Gold, Colgate. Um, so that he's going to go up there. I mean, there there's a lot of kids that are starting and even – um, there's another poll. He goes to Ohio State that's from uh, ESD here in the area. Um, so, so there's a lot of talent here. So where um, did you play? I played at Lamar High School. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, you also mentioned Austin College. I was going to ask, so, I mean, we're talking about colleges and then high school Texas kids playing, but, but what about the Texas college scene? How much lacrosse are we seeing in colleges in this state? So there's only two NCAA teams, and they're both Division Three. It's University of Dallas here um, in the Metroplex, and then Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Those are the only two in Texas that are NCAA recognized. Okay. And then the other schools, such as University of Texas, SMU, TCU, um, U of H, Rice University, they're all what's called MCLA schools. So it's a club sport Clubs, at yeah. those institutions. So lots of kids playing there. It's just cl at the club organization level, not. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of what I expected. Um, I'd, I would have been shocked if you would have said, oh, yeah, every college has a school team, you know, like a sanctioned school team. Um, mm -hmm. We'll get there. I'm sure we're making progress. Slowly. Hopefully. So, uh, it, you know, it's all, it all comes down to those that are driven and really want to see lacrosse at those institutions. I mean, I could imagine once, you know, SMU, University of Texas, Texas A&M, if they, if they can get a program, then I can actually see a lot more Texas kids staying home because yeah. why, why leave when you have D1 schools here that right. you can play lacrosse at. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously you still have a ways to go when you consider that mostly all the schools you mentioned that kids coming out of Texas, um, they're private schools. They're not at these big public school systems that have, you know, not, it's not every public school that has lacrosse at their high school level. At, right. I mean, on campus, it, you know, on yes, campus. on campus, um, you know, there's, cause it is not, it's not UIL sports. So it's all based on, you know, we, and the league is THSLL and they try their best to, you know, line themselves up with UIL mm -hmm. um, so that the kids can play, um, you know, and the, we do a pretty, I'd say we do a decent job um, at that. 
and then just to give the kids opportunities because at the end of the day we just want the boys to play um with it all i mean and even the woodlands they have a kid um matthew noon he's their starting goalie and he's actually going to go to university of virginia as well wow that's big time Mm -hmm. okay so let's talk about COVID and how that's impacted uh, your sport that you see. I, I, I always said, I don't want to talk about COVID on this podcast, but because I didn't think it would make sense after a while and, you know, the archives of this show, but it's still here. So we keep talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. What have you seen as far as the impact? Um, like I'm guessing summer shutdowns, if, if it's anything like our, the girls lacrosse program here, um, pretty much stopped in the summer. We ramped back up in the fall. It was pretty short and, you know, fairly watered down and lots of strict protocols and things. But what have you seen on the boys' side, specifically at, at your high school level? It's been the very, it's been very parallel to that. I mean, we, we were on halt and we stopped, especially during the summer. Um, you know, but when there was kind of like that slow reopening, um, we would, we would go out there, but have, our social distance and it during the time when we were practicing, it was just stick work just because there are just drills that involve getting within six feet and you have yeah. to have contact. And that's just, you know, we, 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 we know we weren't comfortable doing that as a staff. And I know parents weren't too comfortable either. So we tried our best to maintain it, you know, coaches having masks as well. Um, you know, and each, even when the boys come and, put their bags down, we made sure that all the bags were six feet apart from each other. So yeah, all those little steps you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you see numbers change? I mean, I know you're at a point right now where you're at a specific high school, so you might not have noticed just yet. And, you know, as compared to larger clubs, but do you, have you heard that, that you're seeing participation change because of this? I, I, I haven't heard too much of participation change. I think there's, I think everyone's kind of ready to get back at it. They just want to do it in the safest possible way yeah. with it. So I think it's been, everyone wants to go, you know, they just try to, they're figuring out how to do it. Um, or they've already figured out the way how they can run practice and have been doing it um, in a safe manner as well. Your big push though is spring ball, right? Yes, we are. We are. So we are a spring sport. Um, Cause fall ball, is usually kind of the off season is off season for us because mm-hmm. you know it's football and we don't and a lot of the athletes are dual sport and most of them play football and we yeah. and we encourage those players to play football and be the multi-sport athlete because it does benefit um to just play other sports you know and at the end of the day too the kids just don't get worn out playing right. the same sport 12 months a year yeah and i mean you can identify with that i mean that's what you did growing up you see the benefits of learning different skills and different strengthening different parts of your body and, you know, not overusing the same few motions all year round. So that's probably part of why you like to see that in your players too, right? Yes. So I I love it. I mean, and even, you know, with the sports, I, you know, I want the, the kids for playing football, you know, build some toughness, you know, they have, uh some build team camaraderie and that and then even when it's winter time i really like the boys to play basketball just because there's a lot of easy translations from basketball to lacrosse x's and o's with just like yeah. simple things such as pick and you know setting a pick yeah. and roll 
And even on defense, when someone gets beat off the bounce, you know, then there's a rotation for the defense. So then there's some transitions. I feel like exactly basketball too. Yes. Yeah. Well, you said the toughness of of football. I think lacrosse, uh, boys lacrosse is pretty tough. They they probably (laughs) get plenty of toughness playing lacrosse. Yeah, they, they do. Um, you know, it, and we always tell them, it's like, you can be the big guy that can get hit with a stick or you can be the real quick guy that doesn't get hit with a stick. So it's just a matter of, you know, which one you like. Do you like the contact or you do not like contact? So, Yeah, well, it's fun to watch. Um, such a, It's such a physical, fast sport all at the same time and such a widespread out field. And so um, I've enjoyed learning learning a little bit about it. I have a lot, a lot of progress though that I need to make on the boys side because it's such a different, you know, sport than the side that I sit and watch on the weekends with mm-hmm. uh, the girls, but boys lacrosse is really fun. And especially like watching it at the pro level when they were here. Um, or if you ever get a chance to watch like the, you know, those good college games that come on now our right. household stops and watches those sometimes because we understand it a little bit more. Yeah, so, exactly. I, I'm I'm one of those late adopters that's finally getting into the lacrosse world here in Texas. So, well, thank you for filling me in and uh, teaching me a little and kind of giving me an update because I just wasn't sure what was where we kind of stood um, here as Texan lacrosse people. So, thanks mm-hmm. for your time. Oh, of course, it was fun. <laughs>